You're listening to Past and Present, the Colonial Williamsburg podcast. Hi, welcome to the podcast. I'm Harmony Hunter. Today, we're skipping back an extra century to the 1600s and the colony at Jamestown, which would become America's first permanent English settlement. My guests today are Cheryl Mays, Director of Public Programs and Operations at Historic Jamestown, and Mark Summers, Manager of Education and Public Programs. Thank you both for being here today. Thanks a lot for having us. Thank you. Well, I'm excited to have you both on the program today because we're talking about one of the most fascinating figures of early America, and that's Pocahontas. She is so interesting to me because her story is is, is part fable. Um, we've had guests on this show who think her role is overstated. Uh, we've had guests on this show who think she's a self-sacrificing uh, leading diplomat of, of America's early years. Would we even have the country that we have today had it not been for Pocahontas? So I'm really glad to have a chance to talk about her history and her wedding, uh, which is what brings you here today on the show. Uh, we're here talking, the premise for our talk today, Cheryl, is something I think you can speak to, which is the uh, commemoration of the 400th anniversary of Pocahontas's wedding, her marriage to John Rolfe. Talk to me a little bit about this event at Jamestown and what you're going to do to bring this event in history back to life. Well, we've been working uh, on a year-long project initiative called the World of Pocahontas, which looks at the Atlantic world, the world in which she's living, in which the English settlers came to. And what we're doing is we started with lectures last fall. We've begun to do eyewitness programs. People that would have had some association or relationship or come in contact with Pocahontas to sort of bring people into the story from the time of her capture through to the wedding. The wedding itself, we're very fortunate that 400 years ago, it was on or around April 5th. This year, very lucky, 400 years later, it's actually April 5th is a Saturday. So we're having the big event on Saturday, April 5th at Historic Janestown. We're going to have the wedding reenactment twice during the day, and it will be on the site of the 1608 church that, where we believe she was married uh, in the fort. Doesn't that just give you chills? The same, the same footprints. The same footprint. In 2010, our Archaeologist at Jamestown discovered, rediscovered the 1608 church and the footprint, which was uh, a church with a chancel and four burials. So we knew uh, from the dimensions based on primary documents that it was the church site. It is the early first church of Jamestown, and we will be able to have them placed right uh, in front of the chancel where they would have married in 1614. And now, Mark, let's talk a little bit about Pocahontas. This is a small question with a great big answer, <laughs> but I'm hoping you can give us the highlights. Who was Pocahontas? Well, we know that she was the daughter of Wahusunaka, who historians know today as Chief Powhatan, the title the English sort of uh, used to refer to him. So this is a man who was in charge of over 14,000 people, about 30 to 32 different tribes, and uh, about 2,800 warriors. And according to several English records, Pocahontas was his favored daughter, favorite, or someone of very high status in the sense that she was special. She was seen as a precocious kid that her father seemed to dote upon. Uh, whether that may mean she's a princess in the English sense is really irrelevant because from Chief Powhatan's point of view, this is a, a daughter he loves and admires and sort of, I think, let's get away with certain things. 
the of many children, a favorite child. And mm -hmm. she comes to be an emissary between um, the Indian presence, the Native American presence, uh, and the and the English presence. So I wonder, we're just guessing here, this is pure extrapolation, but if a favorite daughter becomes a go-between between those two parties, what does it tell us about the importance of her role uh, between the fort and the, and the Native peoples in the early days? Well, the fact that in a weird way, the way I would get at it is we see throughout the story from both the English and the Palestine perspectives the role of children, really, throughout this entire story as emissaries, perhaps because they're not threatening. You know, one of the things that we have a lot of the words of the Palatines uh, come down through through English sources, through English words, but we see that they would have had translators. And one of the things that the English and Palatines did was essentially exchange uh, young people. Uh, we know the, a boy named Thomas Savage lived with the Palatines for many years. Uh, and was later treated like a son by Chief Palatine. So we see over and over again these young people being used as emissaries on both cultures. Uh, we may call that today exchange students. And so Pocahontas may be not only of high status, but her role maybe as a, a young girl is not threatening. Uh, we also know that her nickname apparently means, you know, uh, the English refer to her as a little wanton one, but we would probably say she was a precocious kid, a curious kid. We know that she was, we were told that she did cartwheels through the fort. When she was a little girl, she played with the English boys in there. So even though we never hear her speaking with her own words, we see her through other people. And uh, even at a young age, she's sort of somebody who is curious, engaging, intelligent, uh, and perhaps not threatening. So what better emissary might there be than a highly favored daughter who happens to be someone who's not, you know, not a warrior, not someone who's going to be intimidating? I read her as an emissary as mm -hmm. well. And actually, you mentioned that she's young. At the time of first contact, she's 13? That's hard to say because we have two different versions of that story from John Smith himself, and it depends on which version of his book you read. Uh, in 1608, he publishes that she's about 10 years old. And then in, uh, he writes the same, uh, another edition of that book years later, and he says she was about 12 to 13. So that's a kind of a tough one, but I would say she was probably like the, their equivalent of a fifth grader, you know, of today, you know, fifth, sixth grade. Somebody who's kind of, you know, a kid, uh, not quite into uh, puberty, but sort of uh, but an older kid. We're here today talking about the uh, commemoration of her wedding, but history tells us she was married already. And that's another one where you have a lot of debate. You know, there, there is a, uh, an American Indian, we're told that she's married to, when she would have been a teenager, and then we have no um, sort of, we don't hear from him again when John Rolfe marries her. There's another school of thought that the name they used for this Indian actually was a, uh, a nickname for John Rolfe. So there's even dispute amongst that. Um, but there is a sort of strong oral tradition or anthropological tradition of that she was married before she met John Rolfe to an American Indian, which would explain why she might be living in the Potomac region. So she seems like a playful little girl doing mm -hmm. cartwheels, running around back and forth. But I think um, she probably played a pretty large role um, as, as an emissary between those, those two groups um, in the beginning. I mean, do you think that Pocahontas's role in history really helps um, the American colony? Uh, the English colony to to establish itself early on. Yeah, I mean, put it this way: even if a lot of the things we know about Pocahontas are legendary, uh, even if a lot of things we hear about Pocahontas come from the English, therefore they're going to be biased. Therefore, these sources are going to be a little bit flawed. Keep in mind that when Pocahontas gets married to John Rolfe, we know there's seven years of peace. We see in the English records this sense that. We've, we've, uh, we have converted this high-status individual to Christianity, so therefore one of our missions and our charter is being fulfilled. 
particularly with a high-status person, they have this, theory, uh, this whole idea that uh, the, they're, they're going to be okay now, that all this starvation of war is over with. And the seven years of peace is a testament, I think, to her power, her status, because, you know, if it had just been a regular Englishman marrying just another Palatine leader, another American Indian, which we think there's probably other marriages of this type going on, well then, you know, that, none of these other marriages created this kind of lasting peace. So I think in many ways, even if we don't get Pocahontas' own words from her own mouth, even if that we never really learn everything from the Powhatan point of view, even if the English stories are exaggerated, the fact that her wedding creates peace, to me, is the ultimate uh, testament to her status. And even when she's a little girl, she's attributed by more than just John Smith, by other writers as being consistently a favored daughter, an important person, an emissary, who in earlier times had um, warned the English of attack, we hear this from several records, and uh, had uh, been a major part of trading food to them. So even if not every one of these stories is exactly word for word true, there are multiple writers consistently over a decade keep attributing great things to her, and they all keep saying that she's a striking person who makes an, a profound influence on a big sacrifice, mm -hmm. too, I think. Cheryl, as you begin to think about commemorating this wedding and when you work with your partners uh, in the historical community, what are the things that it's important for you to bring out at this wedding? What do you want visitors to learn when they come? Well, I think we've done a little bit of work with that when, we've doing, we're, when we're presenting eyewitness accounts. These eyewitness accounts are from people who would have interacted with her. I think it's important to broaden the story, because I think we think Pocahontas, she gets married, she goes to England. But I think what we're trying to do by le a lecture series, an exhibit, which I want to talk about uh, more, but we have an exhibit that talks about native presence in the fort. We are finding a wealth of artifacts inside the fort related to native presence, which I think people are often when they come to Jamestown, think of conflict only when the with the Native Americans. Um, they think of Pocahontas as an emissary, but what we see are a large portion of activity going on related to Native Americans in the fort, and I think that's an important story. Beyond just the wedding and what happens, the piece is absolutely important, but it's the full story. Uh, let's talk, to, uh, let's hear, let's hear from uh, people who interacted with her Let's hear the full story beyond, beyond the wedding and give people a sort of a fuller sense of what was going on in that period in the Atlantic world. So that's one of our missions with this, is not just the commemoration of one day, but sort of taking it more broadly and, and focusing on what was it like in the period. Um, she was very important to the story and obviously to, I believe, the survival of the colony but beyond that, what else was going on and what, were, what was the Native American influence within Jamestown at the time? We have been partnering with the Patawomac um, and the Pamunkey tribes this year, well, really starting last year, to begin to broaden our reach and collaboration with these communities. We want to give them a voice so that they can talk about how her story relates to them um, as the descendant communities here in the region, as well as um, giving us a fuller interpretive um, picture with the Native American communities participating. We have a Pamunkey woman, uh, Wendy Taylor is her name, and she is going to be portraying Pocahontas. So it's really important for us to really look at 
um, how we portray Pocahontas in this role. Who do we choose? Someone from our descendant, one of the descendant communities in Virginia. So I think that's really important also. Mark, uh, Cheryl has mentioned the World of Pocahontas exhibit that tells us a little bit about the Native culture at the time. What, what is that exhibit telling us? Right, and, and we think about this, we've had this sort of conflict between, you know, Pocahontas, the legend, and what's the real story of Pocahontas, and then, you know, we have any artifacts directly related to her. We have a site where we know she was married, and then we have a lot of other Native materials. They don't come with labels saying, okay, this individual carried this, and this individual carried this necessarily. Um, but what we do have is that we have a, uh, the largest deposit of um, Algonquin-speaking, Powhatan-type uh, Native American materials, and it's on an English site. And it's interesting to see that there are certain artifacts um, that certain conservatives could speak to where there's a lot of nuance, that there's no guarantee, well, which culture actually made this? Is it American Indians trying to make things like the English, or English people trying to make things like Native Americans? So uh, we find these things are mixed together in the same levels, that they were thrown away at the same time. That shows you a strong Native presence, not just out of the fort, inside the fort, people living the fort who weren't English. I did want to mention that our sponsorship for the exhibit and our programming. James City County is generously supporting the World of Pocahontas Project, and it's really um, to help bring the story to the residents of James City County, Williamsburg, and Yorktown, and also uh, bring it to the larger, the visitor, the pop population of people we hope will come and visit. It's wonderful to see this event happening. It's wonderful to surface some of this history that we haven't heard a lot about before. So I'm excited for the event. Hope everybody checks out the website, historicjamestown.org, to learn about the World of Pocahontas exhibit and the upcoming wedding. Thank you both for being here today. Oh, thanks for Thank having you. us. Thank you. We're always glad to hear from you. Send comments or suggestions from our webpage at podcast.history.org or find us on Facebook. To support the podcast and other Colonial Williamsburg programs, visit history.org slash donate.